Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one-size-fits-all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real lasting positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Hey friends, welcome back to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem. We are here today with Ursula Menches. Ursula is an award-winning entrepreneur, sales expert, motivational speaker, and author of six best-selling books, her sixth book, Up Level Now, became a USA Today bestseller in April. I have so many questions about this book writing process that you are clearly a master at. But Ursula was promoted from account executive to president of an international technical training company in just five years at the age of 27, when the revenue was in the tens of millions. And harnessing her business experience, Ursula founded Ursula Inc., a coaching and training company committed to helping growth-minded CEOs 2x or 10x their monthly revenue while also releasing 10 hours or more off their work week. She is on a mission to help millions of business owners break through the seven-figure mark so they can give back to the organizations they care about and live an amazing life. You can listen to her weekly podcast, Quantum Revenue Expansion, to hear her clients' success stories. Ursula holds a master's degree in counseling psychology and is a certified NLP coach through the NLP Institute of California. You can find her traveling somewhere warm with her husband, Tim, and their son, Luca, often. Love it. Welcome to the pod, Ursula. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Shanti, and thank you, Don, for having me. I'm excited. I've been waiting to have this conversation with you guys, so I know it's going to be some interesting things that come through today. Yeah, for sure. We have so much to talk about. I have so many questions about your wealth of experience, what you're up to these days. Like I said, how, how the heck have you written so many books? Like, so curious about all of it. But we love to start with, with one question around... Okay, so we're kind of obsessed with quizzes and personality frameworks and deepening our understanding of self through the multiple resources and tools that are available. So we love to ask if you align with any of the systems that reflect back to you who you are, who you are what you're good at, and how you use those things in your business. So this could be anything from astrology to human design to the Enneagram to DISC to Colby. The list goes on. But any of those hold a special place in your heart? Yes. That's a fun question. What a fun place to start. So I love those tests too. I've taken probably all of them. Um, I remember reading What Color Is Your Parachute? That might have been before your time. I don't know if you guys even know about that book, but it's in the library. It wasn't, I don't even, maybe it's an online test now. What Color Is Your Parachute? So that was like my first um, venture into personality tests or like, what should I be doing, right? And then I ended up in the world of psychology. I have a master or a bachelor's in psychology and then master's in psychology. And then I, I learned about the Myers-Briggs. So that was like the, the one, the formal test that I took kind of, you know, and I, to be honest, I don't remember, I don't remember what my letters are and that kind of resonated, but wasn't, you know, one that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is who I am. So then ventured into the world of business and went out on my own and eventually the DISC assessment found me. 
And I would say that is one that was pretty accurate. And I still refer to today, I'm an adaptive D and a high I, probably not a big surprise. And what I love about it though, is it, it's, it, it helped me see like, okay, these are my strengths. This is how I show up at work. Here's how I show up personally. And also how can I make some adjustments? Because I really don't want to be a driver at home. I don't, like, I don't want that role, right? I can take that to work. And I think that was amazing. Now, fast forward and... I don't know, it was like maybe a year ago, human design like hit me over the head. And then one of my co-coaches, Rebecca Hall, is now getting like master certified in human design. So we get to geek out on it like for real. I will tell you this though. When I first learned about human design, I'm like, oh, I'm a manifesting generator. I just know it. I know it. I know it. Like I totally like have lived my life as a manifesting generator. And then I took the test. Have we had this conversation? I'm trying to remember if this came up. No. So do you, okay. Any guesses as to what I am? Like you guys like to play these. This, this uh, are you actually a projector? Oh yeah, girl. I am <laughs> a projector. And I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but let me tell you something. When I learned I was a projector, I went into a bit of a depression because mm-hmm. like, you know, not, not clinical, but I was like, what? I'm a projector. I have to wait to be invited. I know, it's not fair. Freaking life went upside down. Now, what's interesting is my team is comprised of generators, all of them. And generators and projectors work really well together. So I kind of laughed. I'm like, this is good because literally a projector cannot do a lot of things on their own. Like we are the queen and king of delegation. We need so much support. We need so many smart people. Like we're going to like download stuff and then being like, can you do this? <laughs> like, this is what's next. Can, how can, can you make that happen? And so once I accepted that about myself, you know, we're going to have our best year ever in business. So it's like, I can still be a manifesting generator in that, you know, I can still manifest, but there's a certain way that I have to do it. So that's my long answer. Are you a projector? I'm a projector. Dawn's a generator. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the struggle is real. I feel you. Manifesting generator just sounds, sounds like so much fun. So juicy. (laughs) I know. Dawn, what are you? Yeah, I'm a generator and I like resonate with it in some ways, but not, not in other ways. So, um, I really love the, like, if my gut isn't behind it, I can't do it. I'm like, yeah, that's a good excuse why I'm not doing this thing. But I feel like generators feel like they're meant to just like power through everything. So I think we need to really like I love human design too. Um, And I was like you, I'm like, oh, I'm a generator. Does that mean I can't manifest? And I think we need to like recognize that that's not what it's about, right? Like, it's not like, like, and also like manifestation is such a buzzword. So we need to be careful about that because like perhaps by working is how you manifest, right? Yeah. And then also like, I, (laughs) I'm like, oh, I, maybe I was six weeks early, so maybe I was meant to be a projector because I feel that too, where I'm like, get the downloads and then like, okay, this is for you to do. This is for you to do. This is for you to do. And then I'm going to like do what I need to do based on it. So yeah, I do love human design, but I also, and I mean, I'm so about astrology, but yeah, grain of salt. <laughs> I lean into that too. I lean into so many things So, but those are the big ones I would say. Yeah. What's your sign? Oh, I'm an Aries. Oh, fun. I love Aries. April 13. Oh, nice. Oh, same as my husband. Yeah. Oh, same birthday. What What's your birthday? Aquarius. Aquarius. Yeah. What month is, I'm sorry, I don't even know. January. Well, I'm January. I'm like an early Aquarius, late January birthday. And Dawn, what about you? Yeah, I'm a Cancer, but everything is Sagittarius. So like my rising, my moon. And I don't know, three other things in my birth chart are also Sagittarius. So I'm just like a moody fire or something. <laughs> well, it's like with human design too, like your centers, depending on what centers are open. I mean, not everything. And that, you know, there's so much to, like, I feel, I mean, according to Rebecca, you could spend a lifetime studying human design and still not know it all. Like there's so much to learn. So yeah. It's yeah. There's a lot of complexity in each of these things. Right. And then how they all fit together. And we talk a lot about like the nuance of, you know, not putting yourself into a box of just like, oh, I'm a projector, so I have to do things this way. Like you're also high 
D and that's, and like, when I look at my Enneagram type, I'm like, oh, these are like so counter, but can work together. And in the end, everyone is just completely unique. Mm. I also feel like I forget who we had on the pod, Shanti, but this might, might resonate with you, Ursula, because whoever it was, was talking about the different ways that you could be invited and that like the invitation doesn't need to look like, Hey, what are you doing Tuesday, September, you know, 14th at 7 PM. It could just be like liking a photo on your Instagram or replying to an email, like invitate, like looking at what an invitation could be, um, can maybe give people who do really resonate with that, that projectory invitation thing, uh, more excuses or ways to move forward and feel invited rather than feel like they have to just continue to wait until the invitation comes. I also really loved how you said, like, I don't want to be a D in my home, right? (laughs) Like, I don't want to necessarily have to direct everything and I can take that to work. And I think especially on the one, like the personality tests that ask us to respond um, and not necessarily based on our birthday or what have you. Like one day we might be a D and the next day we might be a C or in this context, we might be more of a director, right? Whereas in other contexts, we wouldn't be. So yeah, I do. I I love this question and it's a fun way just to like get into, even if people like are in, into this stuff, right? Because we, we obviously are, but I've been using this term for a long time. I think I made it up, but maybe not. But like everything's just like a ladder for understanding, right? Everything's just like a step towards coming into relationship with the ways that we show up in the world. So I know any, I think I'm in three on the Enneagram. That one's kind of new to me too. And it pretty it resonated. I want to know from the two of you, can I ask, like, what do you like? There's, maybe there's one I don't know of. Like, what's your favorite test or quiz? Mm. Oh, favorite, like favorite framework. I, I use the Enneagram a lot in our work with clients and when we're coming up with like the, the different kind of broad categories of personality types, I'll usually look at it through the lens of the Enneagram before anything else and then disc as well. But I find that the Enneagram is just like a little bit more expansive mm-hmm. than disc. Uh, but disc is the, the easier one to use yeah. when you're like, writing copy or working with clients and it's like it's just so simple right but those are the two that I use the most and then personally probably more so astrology and human design yeah me too I mean I think I found out about Enneagram and Disc and all that stuff from Shanti and then uh most of my using of it has been on the same projects that she's talking about over the last couple years but I love Enneagram it's my favorite it feels like uh with the numbers and the wings you can get really like in depth and like I'll be honest Disc I like I'm like I don't need uh, what's the S stand for like I have spent very little time playing in the Disc realm I really liked Colby we had a we had a gal on Laura like oh gosh maybe like six months ago and she introduced that like strengths finder and I really loved that I think just because it like first of all I matched Shanti so that was fun but also like it gave me an understanding of like why I feel like such a generator at the beginning of projects and then like I do execute but my follow-through is like I'm less excited about that part which is why I mean having support can be so helpful right and like just I also think I love any and all of these things, if you know the people around you, what they are and what, and like how, how your, your type matches and works with their types, it can just be really helpful for even like, you know, like if I want to do something with Shanti, I might need to invite her or what have you, right? Like not too much. It's, uh, but I, I do love it for, again, just giving myself more ways to like hold, um, empathetic empathic uh space for the people around me that I'm working with yeah yeah it's a great point like how to work with team and friends and family and yeah exactly speaking of that okay I saw the funniest TikTok about love languages so my husband's love language is acts of service in this in this TikTok this woman was like crying while she was vacuuming and, and making dinner and she's like 
when your husband's love language is acts of service. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, like, just let your love language be physical touch. Come on, it's so much easier. <laughs> Um, but yeah, understanding those things about the people in our lives makes our relationships so much richer. Yeah. yeah. And so actually this leads me to like some questions for you that we have, which is like, you're helping like CEOs really move from like six to seven figures or seven to eight figures. And I wonder if, well, how, like, if there is a way that you help these people who are like the heads of organizations or even their own businesses, um, like bring on teams that match or suit their skill set or, or work with people who are already on their teams. I, I don't know if you necessarily use like these personality quizzes, but if you can give us whew, anything you've got on that, cause we both got teams and it's uh, interesting to try and figure out how to support them. And then also like, use them well <laughs> yeah well it's tricky let's so i think colby is the only one i don't know how to say this but uh, one of my coaches was telling me i think colby's one of the only tests that you can or it's okay to ask people to take there's been a lot of i don't know if it's legislation or kind of what's come through like you have to be careful about people taking personality tests and not I'm probably totally misquoting her, but we, I would just look into that. But I think there's something about Colby that it's okay to use that one or it's more accepted. So at the same time, once people are on board, I mean, I think during an interview process, you can certainly use like a Colby and maybe there's others that are, you know, acceptable. And we have one that actually Rebecca has developed internally. So she's part of our team. And it's a very simple, it's kind of, it's like a disc. There's a lot that are like disc, but it's, it's been, it's, it's different in like, I think that the categories are like healer, thinker, and there's a couple more. And we work with our clients on using this and it's, it's really Rebecca's tool. So it's not one that, you know, we're selling or anything like that, but it has helped our clients with their team members and really discovering how to work better with them. So again, like it's, I think it's, it's hard during the interview process. So I would like, look, like check your state, like what's, what's okay to use in terms of personality tests. From there, though, I think a lot of it's intuitive. Like over the years, I've, I've hired a lot of people and I've made some great hires and some terrible hires. And I really, like when I look back, my best hires have been when I did it, and maybe this is about being a projector, but when I really checked in intuitively to see if we were in alignment energetically, like, and, and leaned into that, I was typically right. And when I didn't listen to that and my intuition, was like not a great hire. So not everyone feels intuitive, right? So that's kind of like, you know, but I think you can use words like, well, does it feel like, you know, can they, can they do the job? Number one, but number two, are they fit for your culture? How are they going to affect the rest of the team? Good, bad, otherwise, right? Like, how are you going to work with them? So, you know, having a set of questions so that they can intuit that process and then having multiple people interview them is a big deal. So now it's like, I don't, I'm not going to do a first interview. Someone on my team is going to do a first interview and just decide if they want to work with them. Are they a good fit for the culture? And then it's like, will they make it to round two? Will they make it to round three in our interview process? The biggest tip though, that one of my coaches gave me is to write a very compelling job post, like a job posting when you're calling people in from like, I think there's a lot of like short ones out there. It was just, it was long form and it was very um, extensive in terms of what we talked about in working for our company and then who very specific and who we we're looking for. And then inside of that were some like pieces, like, you know, some directions on what we needed them to do because this particular job needed someone who was detail oriented and 97% of the people missed like the fine print. Uh -huh. So they didn't even apply correctly. So it was easy, just delete, delete, delete. So, uh, and, and to do a gut check with that, like I sent this job posting to Rebecca Hall, who's on, on my team, and I wanted to see how it resonated with her. And she's like, I want this job. This sounds so good, so juicy. So also like that it starts with the job posting. What are they going to be doing? How does it sound? So, and, you know, who am I calling in? Who am I really attracting with this? That's mm. my long, long answer. I don't know if that was helpful, but. That's great. I love that. That's so like, 
not quite sneaky, but almost sneaky. Um, that like, if you have like a detail oriented position that you like write down exact precise steps on how to uh, apply for the job. then I feel like we all want detail oriented people for all positions, but chances are like really, like I'm going to say like most detail oriented people might be fives or something on the Enneagram. And that might not be the person you need to do like uh cold outreach or something. Right. So it would be cool to like, I don't know. I'm like, Oh, maybe you ask that person. They're like, if you want the job, give us a call or something like that. Right. Like I think. Well, one thing with salespeople, I heard a lot of salespeople when I was with the tech company and to me, their interview was a sales call. Like they were coming in to sell me on themselves. And so that's what I was looking for. And then I was really looking for their follow-up. I mean, if they didn't send an immediate follow-up email, you know, to say, thank you for inter- like interviewing me. This is what I got. I really want to, you know, work for your company. I never called them again. So, because this is how they would be in a sales position. So really looking at like, what skills do I need to see in this, this interview process that is needed in this job is, is a great way to interview. But here's the thing. Anybody can show up as their best self in an interview and show you exactly what you need to know. And that doesn't mean it's going to, they're going to show up that day, every day at work either. So that's why multiple interviews are important. And, you know, just references are really important. Like all those other pieces. Mm. Cool. I like it. When does like So are most of the companies that you work with, like larger companies, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, you're calling out, like I work with CEOs. And then at what point does someone go from being like, you know, the boss to being a CEO who would like resonate sort of like with your call out? I mean, thinking about Shanti, like, like, would you consider yourself a CEO, Chantal? And what, what would it take, do you think, for her to get to that place? Because I, I, I don't think she would consider herself that right now, but that's me projecting. I do. I totally sign my my contracts as the CEO. Yes, I love um, it. But at the same time, it's not like in my bio, like I am the CEO of this huge company, like because my business is still on the cusp of like where, so that helps people go from like, you know, like multiple six figures to seven and, and it's still so small. So yeah, there is a certain like energy involved in like CEO. Yeah. What is that energy, Ursula? I don't think that, well, here's the, so this is really good for me to hear because I find that like, just as you're saying that, and this is, you know, just for women in general, number one, only 3% of women make it over the seven figure mark. It's very small, which is why we're committed to helping more women. We have a few humble, confident dudes who come into our programs and we love them dearly. And they come in and they rock their business. Men, like when men start a business, they are the CEO. They step into CEO energy immediately. And as women and Shanti, this is not to call you out or anything. Like we typically, we don't own that energy right away. And I'm not sure exactly why, probably a million different, you know, reasons or how we've been socialized or all the things, right? And so what, like, if you look and Don, obviously you have, we say CEO, like all we're inviting CEOs and CEO could be a woman who started her business or a man. And it's at 50,000 in annual revenue. I still see you as the CEO. And I want you to own the energy of that because it shows up in how you make decisions. Mm-hmm. And so Shanti, I see you as a CEO, you're the CEO of your business. And it's just an expansion, you know, whether you're multi-six or seven, it's just an expansion from there. It's just numbers, but owning that owning that position, I think is really important because you've busted your butt to grow your company. It's not like it just happens. Like you are the CEO. No one else is willing to do, like very few people are willing to do what we're willing to do as CEOs of our company. So. Okay. So what are we willing to do as CEOs that we might not be willing to do as like owner operators? That's a great question. I mean, I, well, sometimes it's making that seven figure decision, which could be hiring when you don't think you're ready. It could be, you know, increasing your prices when you, you don't know who's going to buy. It's really, it's really stepping into why I called it up level now, stepping into your next level that, you know, is calling you and, and having the confidence to do it. Even if you just have confidence for five seconds and like it goes away after that, but you were willing to make that step forward to me, that's, that's CEO energy. It just like, you know, being willing to do it, whatever it takes. And I'll like dip in and out of that. Like, it's just not a, 
it's not a constant, but I totally resonate with what you're saying. And the men that I know that have businesses, like there's this, this whole other energy really towards what that means and how that impacts their identity and how they own it. And, and really we don't talk a lot about the like differences between like the, the feminine and masculine approaches to being a CEO and entrepreneurship and business, but they can be quite dramatic really. Like I see the emails that I, I don't know if you follow Stefan Georgie, Ursula, I read Stefan's emails and I'm like, wow, he is just so, and, and we use the word ballsy, right? We use that for like men and women, but like, I'm like, how does he, how does he do it? Like, I just don't, I don't have that. And, and I think that is also can be a strength, right? Like there's, there's a lot of benefits to embodying your, your feminine in that CEO role, but you're right. Like, and then I think the stats on how many, you know, women led businesses cross the six figure mark, even that is dismal. So it's, it's like a real victory and celebration. And yet the indoctrination to like downplay, downplay, stay humble, like is just so, so deep. Yeah. Well, and I want to make sure, like, I, I don't think see like being CEO is just masculine energy. Like, I don't, I want to make sure I say that out loud because if I, that might've come through, it sounded like that. And because I think it's a mix of both. I think top CEOs who are men have a good dose of feminine energy and really can connect with people. I think that we would say that's sort of a feminine energy. And then women, you know, as women, we can, we can have some of them, but we get to choose. I think that's the most important thing. And I mean, when I was in the corporate world, you know, it was a time when you had, you know, you, it was like the IBM, I mean, it was like the tail end of the IBM days, but you wore suits and pantyhose. And, you know, until my girlfriends in California started making fun of me and this is a shout out to all those girls who were like, you know, you don't need to wear pantyhose anymore. I'm like, <laughs> I don't. So now I mean, I really own my feminine energy, but I also own my masculine energy. Like I love wearing feminine clothes. I love rocking a good pair of high heels if I want to, but I'm also happy to throw on a good pair of Adidas if that feels better for me that day. It's like, who are you being? So all that to say, I mean, I think the top CEOs, like look at Spanx, right? Um, Blakely, Sarah Blakely, she's super feminine. Like she's got like, you know, girl things that she's selling, lady things, and she's a billionaire. And so, I mean, she's a great example of a CEO who I think just has more energy. And I think that's the piece, right? Like whoever you are, when you own who you are, that's the fastest and easiest way to not only grow your company, but to own that, that CEO title and, and, you know, to, to expand from, from that space. So in other words, Shanti, don't change who you are, how you're leading, right? Like really just expand that, that that's where, you know, it's the, the numbers come in or whatever it is. And, and sure, the gentleman you mentioned might have some really great emails, but that doesn't mean yours aren't just as persuasive or enticing for the people you're inviting into your world, right? Because the more aligned that we know we can't do that. We know we can't model other people and think that's going to work for us. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't, <laughs> it's like letting your truth come through is what, is what's going to bring people in. You already know that. This. I have two things to say. One is that I never really had like seven figure business goals, but after learning only 3% of women have that or get there, I'm like, oh, okay, that's enough of a reason. You know what I mean? That's enough of a reason to try to get there, uh, just to like be an expander. And then I really do want to talk about your books and your writing process, but I want, I feel like this, what we're talking right about right now and the energetics around CEO also lends really well to this conversation around the quantum and around belief. And I feel like a couple of things, like it's super buzzy right now. Um, I love it. Like I, I'm, I'm a yogi, like I, I'm a, I'm a poet. I love physics. So I love the idea of being able to like, I don't know, like access the quantum in some way, but I wonder what that means to you. Cause it seems like you're using it a lot uh, with your business, like quantum expansion, quantum revenue expansion. 
what does that mean and how do we do it? And yeah, this could be really big. So maybe just choose one of those if you like. <laughs> oh, so many things done about that. Well, I grew up learning that to make any money, you have to work really hard. Mm-hmm. And I grew up on a farm. So that means you work 24 seven and you still don't make enough money. I mean, you kind of make enough money to like feed your family and it's a small family farm, right? So when I got into the corporate world, I took those same beliefs and I worked all the time. And I did, I rose in five years, I was president of a $20 million company. So I was like, I can do this. Like I'm the hard worker. And then I developed chronic shingles and my health was like, you can't do that anymore. So when we sold the company, the tech company, I was like, what the hell am I going to do? Excuse me. I was like, what am I going to do? And who am I? And so I went out and I started interviewing and I was interviewing, I was like working with recruiters. And I wanted to be the president of the next, you know, $20 million company. And one day, one of the recruiters, he broke it down for me. He's like, listen, like you could probably be, you know, like a director or a manager, but you're not going to be president of a company right now. Like you're too young. Probably I was too female. There were a lot of things. And I remember looking at him like, like you, like, oh, this is kind of a challenge, right? This is like, like, what are you saying to me? And so I got mad and I went home and I said to my husband, Tim, who's my boyfriend at the time, I'm like, look, I, I'm so, I'm so over this BS, right? Like I'm so over this, this dude's telling me I can't, you know, whatever. I think I'm just going to start my own company. And my husband, of course, was like, I've been telling you that we never listened to the people around us. He's, he's been saying that like we, I had the opportunity to buy the tech company but I was so burnt out from it and I was just over it. And I was being pulled into personal development and sales training. Like I knew that was my next calling. I just didn't know how to get there. And so that's the day that I made the decision. I'm like, I'm going to go start my own company, but I'm not going to do it the way I did it before. Like there has to be a better way. And that's, you know, for, for a lot of us, right. Our health drives our seeking. And so I was introduced to an energy healer who healed my chronic shingles in like a nanosecond. And I was like, what the heck just happened? Like, how did you do that? And that whole world of quantum just like dropped in my lap. And I knew, like, I knew, I knew that that's what I was being called to. I knew I had intuitive abilities. I didn't really understand them. And so for me, the quantum realm is the unseen realm. It's, we call it now like the fifth dimension. And when you, like, I've just really honed my skills to step into the fifth dimension of intuition and I read the Akashic records and all these things like in the corporate world, I couldn't talk about, or I would be killed. Right. So now we're in a different time and it's still a lot for me to admit out loud that I can do a lot of these things and do them for my clients. I now I'm certified in quantum healing and even saying it right now, I'm telling you, it's not um, it's surprising to me as well. But what I realized and what clients would tell me is they, I would do a session with them and we would blow out like, all the things that were in their way of hitting seven figures or multi six figures or writing a book or whatever it was. And I had to stop hiding it. I was, I had a session with Sonia Shokai. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's a, um, she's an intuitive. She's super, she's pretty well known. She wrote a book called ask your guides and a bunch of other books that I admire her. And on one of my birthdays, I treated myself to a 30 minute session with her. And I would say like 29 of those minutes were spent really schooling me on stopping Stop hiding your intuitive gifts. Like stop hiding the quantum. Stop hiding what you know. Stop hiding how you help people. Just stop. <laughs> like stop. And so, so that's when I realized I had to stop doing that. So now like we live in the quantum realm, but we also bring strategy. I say we, so myself, Rebecca Hall, master coach that we, we do a lot of co-coaching together, which is blast because she's super intellectual and like lives like here, but also spiritual. She's in human design and all these things. I mean, her brain is like a robot, so she can like do people's revenue models in 30 seconds. So we work on the strategy. Like, here's how you go from six to seven figures. Here's the model. And then right away, it's like all the shizzle comes up, right? It's like, oh, here's what I can't. Here's what happened to me when I was a kid. Or I start tuning into it and I start getting the downloads and we start clearing it. And that's why we're able to help our clients move so quickly. Cool. Well, you're in the right place, at least, at least on this podcast to out yourself in those ways. Well, especially as a projector, that's what's fast. And that was the other thing is like, not everybody wants to hear my stuff. Right. So when I get invited somewhere, I know it's like, okay, here's a place where a community where people want to know this stuff where it can really help them. So thank you. Yeah. I love your, I like, I love the idea of like the quantum um, using the word quantum to uh, like context intuitive gifts. 
I think, I think that both Shanti and I, like we both, Shanti's got coaching training and I got a gazillion hours of yoga teacher training, but we both end up doing a lot of coaching with clients, with team members, with each other. Um, And so much of that, it doesn't matter what the course was, right? So much of it really does come just from like knowing what to say in the moment or how to hold space in the moment. And it's so hard to quantify that as like a, join me for a discovery call. We're all like, tune into my psychic gifts and tell you what you need to do or what have you. Right. Or what's going to download or what's going to shift or heal you right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't have a lot of language available to us that speaks to everything that is unseen that has like such dramatic impacts on how we operate, how we feel. We just don't like quantum is one. Sure. Because we can acknowledge that like, this is a real phenomenon where one thing over here influences something over here. And it doesn't matter how far apart those things are, they're intimately connected. And so that's a beautiful word, but you know, apart from that and maybe a few others, like our language is inspired by the machine and the scene and like so much dogma around what's acceptable what's not acceptable. And so it's, yeah, it's a funny thing that we, that we can like signal, Hey, I am interested in going beneath the surface level with a word like quantum and you've done it in a really, a really amazing way, Ursula. So kudos. Thank you. And again, I mean, even Stephen Hawking was like, we've studied, you know, quantum physicist before he passed, he was like, we don't know anything. Basically he was like, we know nothing. So stop like anyone who thinks they really understand you don't. And I remember talking with one of my friends uh, who wrote Greg Kuhn, he wrote a book called why quantum physicists do not fail. And I remember I read his book, I had him speak at one of my events and we were chatting afterwards. And I said, I told him, I said, who am I to talk about quantum? Like, I'm not a quantum physicist. I'm not a scientist. I really don't know. You know, I know what I've read and that's about it. And he's like, listen, (laughs) I don't either. No one really does. At the same time, we don't have to understand the mechanics of it to apply it. We don't have to know exactly what happens, like why it happens or how exactly it happens. If we have a process that gets somebody results, it's probably our, like it's, we're doing a disservice, right? It's our I'm compelled. It's like, I have to share this because I know it can help someone. And so when we put a framework around it and a process around it, so we as humans can understand it, it makes it easier for others to do. And I think that's what all the healers are doing. I think that's what what everyone, like what you guys are doing, when we step into it, we have these hacks and it's like, here you go. I like to think like, here's a quantum hack for you. Let's see if this works. And, and the more I'm in the work, the more, the faster I get shortened processes, so to speak, shortened hacks, shortened modalities that can help people shift even faster. And I'm just allowing that because I love hacks. So I think that's part of why I'm here is to simplify, to simplify the quantum, give people tools they can use and and to get fast results. Yeah. Thank you. Can we talk about the the book writing process that you have used to become so prolific and, you know, from the outside looking in, like, wow, how do you write six books? You're not, you're not 80. So, and you run a business full time. Like, what is this process? I'm not, I, you know, it's funny you'd say that though, because I was just thinking about one of my colleagues and mentors who is close to 80. So Brian Tracy, I think he's in his mid seventies. I think he's written over 80 books. So he puts out one to two books a year and he's been doing that since he was in his twenties, I think. And so you talk about, like, I know you're like, oh, I have a little bit of book envy. I have serious book envy because Brian writes one to two books a year. He's got like three publishers who are constantly, you know, give me this book. I, we need this book. And so I totally get that. And I, I've asked him a lot of those questions as well. And I'll share, you know, kind of what my experience has been. And I definitely, I'm deeply grateful to him because he also gave me his, he gave me his book proposal and he said, just copy and paste and put your own information here. And I guarantee you'll get a publisher. And he was not wrong about that. And a big part of that was just that belief that transferred, right? Like he's like, here's the thing, fill it out and you'll get a publisher. So going back though, to my first book, 
like, let's be honest, it was terrible. Like selling with intention in its first edition was really bad. And so I had had, I paid someone like $400 to edit it. I found him, I don't know, back then on Craigslist or something. And the editing was terrible. And my husband, who's like, he's like, look, I'm no scholar, but this editing is really bad. Like there's a lot of work that needs to be done yet. So I then was like, oh, I just need help. And I was at NABA one day, National Association of Women Business Owners. And this woman said, hey, I, I know you want your book edited. I have someone to introduce you to. And she's done a lot of work for me. So I said, okay. And so I met this woman called Amanda, Amanda Johnson, who owns a company called True to Intention. And she, Amanda helped me edit my first book and she's been working with me ever since. And she, I would say Amanda's like a book muse as well. Like I plug into her energy and her wisdom and like we co-create, like it's so much easier for me to write if I can have a conversation with Amanda. And so my process is pretty organic. Um, I'm not one of those people who's going to be like, oh, I write every day and I'm so committed to that. I don't, that's like not my, <laughs> not my style. And anyone who says you should just start writing, I think that's stupid too. I'm sorry. I just think that that's, that doesn't help you. It's like, just start writing. No, don't start, like, don't start writing. Like download your book from the quantum. I really believe that. That's where my first book came from. It's where all of my books, have, the my best books have come from when I've tuned in and listened. And so for you guys or for anyone who's listening, like, you know, when a book is trying to come through, you may have many, you got to say to the book, like who's first <laughs> and then come from the space of I'm letting the book download. It's not that you're writing it. You're truly downloading books. This is the reason why publishing companies get like 75 of the same book proposals at the same time. I don't know if you've heard that, but it's because there's ideas in the quantum realm. There's ideas in the consciousness that are coming through and whoever grabs it first and runs with it right? They get their book published and they get it out there first. And I'm not saying there's not a process. I'm not saying you don't need editors. I'm not saying any of that, but like trust the download. I, I believe books are divine downloads, whether they're fiction, whether they're nonfiction and the book will come through the other, here's my hack. The other thing I did, well, I did a couple of things. I back in the day, like some of your listeners know about this, but there was a, a teaching location in a business in LA called the Learning Annex. And I don't think it exists anymore, but you could go in person. And it was kind of like, it was kind of like the podcast of today, right? Where people would be interviewed and they would teach, but it was a gathering place. And I went there and I listened to someone who I can't even think of her name. I don't even know if her book is out there, but it was a woman who had published her own book, started her I think it's five crown publishing. And I apologize to her because I'm trying to think of all the things, but I listened to her story of, um, she had been, she was in prison when she wrote her first book, had quite an interesting entrepreneurial business kind of in the drug trade. So not super legal, but she was really good at it and very successful. And then ended up in jail. And then her attorney's like, listen, you should write a book. So she wrote a fiction book because that was her dream, got out, no one would publish it. So she published it herself. So the, the, her talk was about how to self-publish and also a little bit of traditional publishing. So I just went to that, right? I popped in the lap, I went to it. And that's how I self-published my first book. I just followed her book and I did what she said. Right before that, as I was downloading that first book, even though the draft was really bad, I did also, um, I read a book, which I think you can still find today called How to Write a Book in 14 Days. Because again, like I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to waste a lot of time on this. It's by a woman called Steve Manning. And I think it's still out there. I think you really got to dig to find it. That was, he just had a great process on how to outline. So if you're not sure how to outline your book, his, I still use his process to this day. So it's both downloading, like downloading the outline and then, and then just downloading. And once you have the outline done, which includes outlining, oh, perfect, includes outlining the chapters, then you just go in and the book really does write itself. And you just, you know, put time on the calendar. I write best on Fridays. I'm not an everyday person and I don't beat myself up about it. Like you got to find your space. And I really, I have a little bit of probably some would say ADD or ADHD. So I need to be at like a loud coffee shop with lots of distractions so I can focus. So that's my process. Mm, that's that Yeah, I do think that helps. That helps, right, Shanti? Yeah, thanks for sharing. I always feel like the process is going to be get up at five in the morning right for three hours every single day. And it's relieving to hear that that's not how you operate. I don't think that's how I would operate if I were to write a book. 
Yeah. Do you have, do you have more book babies that want to be, that want to come through you? There's, there's a couple and there's some that I've had to shelve, but there's definitely one that's like really pushing right now. And I just, I don't know. I kind of, I had to tell it, I had to say like, you need to, it needs to take a little bit of a break. I feel like there's some things that are happening in my business that I'm going to write about that are going to be tied to it. So it'll come through. I just, I don't know. It's interesting. Like I've really got clear information. It's like finish this year in your business. It's going to be our best year ever in business. There's going to be part of that that, we're, that I'm going to write about. And because it's about money, it's about growth um, from that perspective. So and it's funny, Amanda, my book muse and my one of my best friends in the world, she's going to some conference, which is like, hey, about that book, when I'm back, let's talk about it. And I was like, okay, that'll probably be about the right time. So it's also like just letting it, letting it cook a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I when I was a little kid, that intuition came to me that like no thought was your own thought, that you were kind of just like walking into thoughts <laughs> as they came through. And I definitely, I have a creative writing degree. And at one point I was in a novel writing class and I was writing this book that was like this dystopic future, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I got 80 pages in the class ended and I stopped. And then like, Two years later, there were all of these books that came out that were like these, it was a kid's book, right? Or like, you know, YA, all these YA dystopic future books. And um, I was like, shit. And then also like the things in the book, I was like, uh, I don't know if that's true. It was like mushrooms that ate radiation and gigantic caves. And I was like, like the people were living in a gigantic cave and the mushrooms were making it safe for them to live or whatever. And I was like, that's ridiculous. How am I ever going to like get people into this? It's not like scientific. And then again, a couple of years later, it was like, oh, turns out the world is filled with giant caves and there are mushrooms that eat radiation. And I was like, damn, like I should have just kept going with it. Right. Um, I think that is that like, like not being in the quantum belief state that I could actually be channeling something that wanted to come through was a big part of like a stop for me. So yeah, I thought that, thank you so much for sharing. And I love that outline it too. Like, don't just start writing, but like outline it Yeah. because geez, like, yeah, yeah. scary. Otherwise if things might still evolve and change as you write the book after you've downloaded it, or you'll be like, or you'll talk to someone like an Amanda and, you, and they'll be like, that doesn't make any sense to have that there. <laughs> so you go, okay. So, you know, you, you create the space. Like I'm never, I'm never like tied to how the book has to be. And I believe it's its own thing. Like it's, I believe you write a book and you send it off to college. It's like, it's got its own life now. It's on its own. And I'm cool with that. Like I just, it's not mine. Yeah. a beautiful philosophy. Yeah. Totally. If there was something you could tell our listeners, not to put you on a spot or anything, but like, what is something that you think our listeners, what's coming through that our listeners uh, need to hear? Yeah. So, and yes, thank you. That there is, there's more than enough. And that belief is being messed with right now in the world in so many ways. And that, you know, there's more than enough for everybody on the planet, more than enough, way more than enough. And so rather than tuning into like scarcity and like what you see on TV or in the news or like the, the, the 1% of the pieces that you're fed, if you eat that stuff, that that's not true. Like there's, there's so much wealth available on the planet and so much money and so many ideas and there's more than enough. And also that like you are more than enough, like you, Shanti, you, Dawn, you who are listening to this right now, like you are so much, like you have so many gifts inside of you and so much just untapped amazingness. And I definitely, like, I just want to encourage everyone to like heed the call and don't believe the BS, like BS is such BS. And there's so many good people like the two of you doing great work in the world and F the BS because it's just time. Like, and if we don't start doing that now, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, so, you know, tune into like the, the truth and the truth is there's more than enough and you can, you can create whatever you want. And I know that when entrepreneurs have enough money, like we do great things with it. And so we just want to get money into as many entrepreneurs hands as possible. Mm. Goosebumps. Yeah. I'm all tingly. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Obvious. But like you said, being covered up all over the place. Like that's the message that I feel just 
you know, it's why we do the podcast. It's why I write the books. It's like, you just got to keep planting those seeds so that people can live into that. Cause imagine, so I want, my second book is called one great goal. And I used to always think after I wrote it, I thought, gosh, if everyone just knew that their one great goal could come true, what would, what would happen in the world? Mm. Right? Like where would the negativity go? Where would the anger go? Where would the, whatever? Cause that, that stems from thinking we can't do, we can't have, we can't be. And that's a lie. So I dream of that world where everyone can, you know, live into their, their one great goal, whatever that might be for them. Mm. And so it is. Lynn. Thank you so much, Ursula. This is a really magnificent conversation. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners, with us. Where can we learn more about all the things you've got going on? Yeah. Easy to go to the website, UrsulaInc.co, not.com. One of my friends in China owns that. And whoever that is, like, if you want to sell it, I'll buy it. So (laughs) UrsulaInc.co. And uh, there on the website, there's a free course called Quantum Revenue Expansion. And if you haven't registered for it, it's three hours. And the people who've gone through that content, I feel like it's really, it feels very downloaded. Like it's very downloaded in terms of the information that came through in that course. And so I invite you to just step into it because it'll help pull you into that next level, whatever that is for you. And then I hang out on Instagram. I hang out on Facebook, um, LinkedIn, and we do have another group. We have a Facebook group called quantum revenue expansion, and that's tied to the podcast as well. And there's a lot of cool people in there doing great work in the world and you can promote your business. So if that's something you're interested in, go there too. And thanks for asking. Awesome. All right, everyone. Remember there's more than enough and you are more than enough. Well, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shandyzack.com forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, sunshine. Go light up the world and we'll see you next time.